Captain Rainwater. <laughs> Yar. We're going to say that's how you say Mr. But on a boat. <laughs> Mr. Rainwater was actually privy to me trying to figure something out just moments ago where I asked a very smart-ass uh, Amazon Alexa dot uh, how to say Mr. in another language. And it asked me which language I should choose. And I said, surprise me. And she responded, I don't speak surprise me. Smartass. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we are taking a break today from our usual AI chat. I almost had an AI subject for us, I think. And uh, you kind of vetoed it. You were like, let's talk about something else first. Yeah, shit. I want to take a little break. And I'm actually starting to fuck around with chat GPT now. So Ooh. I actually have some opinions. I think. But not mid-journey yet? Not mid-journey. I do want to mess around mid-journey for that um, that bird thing that I've been working on. Because I, I need to make some new ones, and I haven't really made any new ones yet. Hmm. Interesting. So when, you say you, was... when you're trying chat GPT, did you get the paid version? No, I'm just using the free version. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't I mean, use the what's... free version, but... Or, oh, yeah. excuse me, I do use the free version. Uh, yeah. But a friend of ours, Buddy, uh, paid for the, the pro version so he could try the, the GPT-4 Oh, yeah, because GPT-4 can do, like, the programming kind of small games and stuff like that, right? Yeah, but he said that, the, like, the server, I don't know the right verbiage for it, but I, I this is how I understood it. Mm -hmm. uh, he said that the server time is always kind of, like, in demand. Oh. Like, there's a lot of people that are going for it, so it goes really slow. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's worth it. I, I mean, how I do like we chat. define really slow? What usually takes him, like five minutes when he asks it to do it on a, like okay. a free version mm -hmm. takes like hours. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess that's really slow. I don't know. He uses yeah. it for a lot of complicated stuff with, uh, uh, his job. So I don't, I don't really know, but, uh, to me, I, I just ask it stupid stuff. I don't know if I told you this, but I, I asked chat GPT to turn me into a cocktail and oh, I, yeah, it, yeah. it interviewed me and all that stuff yeah, like that, yeah. so it made a cocktail. So I'm going to make a video about that, which is going to be pretty fun. I have only explicitly asked it stupid stuff. It's yeah. all stuff about, like, hey, how can you make me money? It's like, I can't make you money. <laughs> like, what are you then? Well, but. see, I'm planning. I have, like, evil schemes. Like, one of them backfired. <laughs> I was going to do one where I just uh, I prompted Midjourney to do women's feet and then sell feet pics. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of brilliant. Right? That's what I thought. And then it gave me six toes. So oh. that, <laughs> it, hey, there's a there's a market for that. There might be. And then I think it was just a one time glitch. But um, I don't know. There's also the weird pro problem that your your profile is technically public. So if anybody oh. looked up my username, which it's not a Jow version, surprising or not. Um, and they found it. You could see everything that I've prompted. So I don't sure. know if I need feet pics just kind of out there yeah. like yeah. that. Plus, that I sense. think I think and don't give me don't quote me on this because I don't really know. But I would assume that if you're in the feet market, you kind of want to know there's an actual person attached to oh, those. Yeah, feet. of course. I yeah. think that's part of the attraction. I don't know. I'm not a feet so guy. So you just make up the person. <laughs> I guess I could prompt a girl, and yeah, I could do that. I would just have to get really good at seeding so that I could repeat her images several times. Yeah. You can fucking catfish people so much easier now. Oh, yeah, nothing, nothing's real anymore. So. Yeah. 
But anyway, we're not talking about that today. Actually, we are talking about uh, duping people. That's right? true. In a way. In a we're way. talking about Scream 6 today. We're a couple weeks out. So, you know, I guess we're behind the curve. But at the same time, enough people have had a chance to go and see it. So we're not really spoiling anything. Because Lord yeah. knows we're going to get into the spoilers about it. Um, so, spoiler alert. I have seen this movie four times? Four or five. I lost track. Okay. I've only and seen that, it once. That is not going to be an indication of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, but I will let you take the lead because I'm the super fan of the two of us. <laughs> so I will let you go before I do my thing. Okay. I mean, we just want to start with overall feelings, basically. Sure. Well, did you, yeah. Did you like it? Did you not like it? You yeah. Didn't I actually how you, where'd you really land? enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a pretty fun movie. Like it's not the greatest scream movie ever. No. And there are things I want to get into later that I texted you about after seeing the movie. Um, especially like a big thing that really bugged me. And this is probably the only thing that really bugged me was that getting stabbed doesn't mean what it used to mean in a scream movie. Like you yeah. can get, you can get fucking stabbed like five or six times and you'll live. You, you know? walk it off. No, you literally yeah. walk it <laughs> off. Walk it off. Actually, <laughs> it's like what for whatever reason the main characters have like way more HP than everybody else. So like it's just kind of that was the thing. That was the one thing in the movie that I was just like kind of bugged by because, mm. um, like uh, just kind of based on the foundations of the series, like in the past people didn't get stabbed that much and they died you know like it didn't take much to kill people um at the same time like i had a lot of fun watching the movie i think part of the reason why i had a lot of fun watching the movie too is i saw it in a pretty packed theater and like Mm. everybody who was watching it was pretty actively like responding to the movie too which adds a lot to it sure like you know like i'm laughing on things that like the guy next to me is riffing on so like that 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 expands the experience a lot for sure um i also thought like in general like the cast like the main cast is really likable like it's a really likable main cast like i didn't i think when i saw the last screen movie i didn't think initially that i was gonna like the um like the main girl um sam yeah. And then by the end of that movie, I'm like, oh, shit, I want to see where this goes. And then by the end of this movie, I'm like, oh, shit, where is this going? Because, like, they keep kind of ratcheting this idea about her that makes her a very compelling main character in the Scream franchise, which is mainly, like, the idea that her father was the original, like, ghost face, basically. So, like, yeah. she's kind of got the psycho killer uh thing packed into her and so it's like okay well is she gonna become a ghost face at some point is are where are we gonna go with like is she gonna become some kind of killer outside of just like killing all of the ghost faces right because that's typically been the the model right yeah uh, that's kind of yeah i'd be curious to hear what you have to say about anything regarding what i was talking about regarding what you were talking about oh, well on the top of your head 
it it annoys me how you said that like, people get stabbed and they they, they just keep yeah. going and it's like no big deal. Like literally, we forget the fact that they stab they were stabbed. Like they're yeah. not. And I don't know if that's an acting, a writing, or a directing criticism, or even an editing criticism. To be honest with you, it could be that. Um, but it's. It, it's a horror franchise. You know what I mean? It's not an action yeah. superhero franchise. In a horror franchise, people die. You don't give the the, the uh, you know, you don't give the audience a cookie at the end of the movie to make them feel good. The 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 stakes need to be there. So if people are not dying, right. there are no stakes and it's just like well, a CW like, gossip drama. Yeah, there are a lot of characters who are kind of favorite characters who get stabbed in the movie that well, you're kind of like, like um, uh, I can't remember her name, but um, the the twin sister, Mindy, uh, Mindy, yeah, like she gets stabbed, I'm like oh my gosh, she's dead, you know, and like the scene in which she gets stabbed, I'm like, there's no way that she survives this. And then later on, she shows back up, and we're like, what the fuck? Like, she got clearly, like, yeah. super stabbed on the train. Which, by the way, that was a really good scene, too. Yes, like, it was. It was an excellent sequence. I was a big fan of that sequence. But, see, the thing is, is and it was very echoey of the way her father, or her um, her uncle died, Randy, yeah. right, in a public thing with people yeah. around and in broad light. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I feel like they... they I, I feel so fucking Trumper saying this, but I feel like <laughs> they were afraid of the woke mob saying, well, why did the African-American female, yeah. queer female sure. have to get killed? You know right. what I mean? And then they, they just kind of backtracked on it. And, okay, if you want to do that, fine. It would have been great because it would have been echoes of Scream 2, like a lot of things in this film were. Um yeah. But you still need to kill somebody else. And as much as I loved Chad, right? He gets stabbed the fuck up uh, during by two ghost faces at the same goddamn time. And I don't care how much you yeah, weight lift or how many protein bars you eat. I don't know how the fuck you live through that. Yeah. That was heartbreaking. That was like Dewey dying all over again. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what should have happened. Right. But then they don't have a, a male guy going forward. Although, we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute, but um, they would have actually had another male character survive to go forward. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, there's there, the, the, if there's no danger in a horror movie, I don't, I stop caring. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's, it's, it, then it's not a horror movie anymore. Then it's, it's just a straight up mystery movie that is just oh come back next week for the next episode, kid. Stay right. same time. Well, and all the and even then all the tension in the mystery really gets flattened when nobody's like well, dying. And main characters like kind of need die yeah. if you want to have that tension. Yeah, you can't just have like like random ass people die. Like it, it, at least a main character. And there were a lot of main characters who would have been perfectly good candidates in this movie. Sure. None of them fucking died. Like yeah. not even, I thought Gail died and then Gail didn't die. And I'm like, well, so nobody's dead. Like what's going on? Yeah. There were so many reasons. Like we wanted to, but, and then they, you know, cause I watched all like the interviews and stuff after the fact. And they were like spoiler interviews, but they were like, Oh, we killed Dewey. So we figured we can't do kill Gail in this. And it was like, well, okay, 
then you need to kill somebody else or multiple people yeah. because whatever. And I get yeah. it. You you don't want to kill the main character, Sam, because she's the main character. It would have been a nice surprise to watch it go that direction. You don't want to kill Jenna Ortega because she's got a giant following. It's like Ever since the Wednesday yeah. thing, she blew the fuck up. So you're not going to kill her because there's money in a built-in audience. Like That's just bad financial decision. You don't yeah. want to kill Mindy because... You may be afraid of the woke mob. I don't know. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but that that was the impression that I got. Mm-hmm. You don't want to kill Chad because it's kind of like killing Dewey for a second time, like in sure. the very second movie. So right then and there, and then you can't kill Gail because once again, it's like killing Dewey. You can't do that. So you have to, that's the thing about, and I, I say this as a writer of horror films, you have to be a little cold hearted. When you write oh, a yeah. horror, when you make a horror story, like, and the, the, what you said before actually is a very important thing. They're all very likable actors playing likable characters. Yeah. And that's a good thing when yeah. we get upset that they die. Yeah. <laughs> because that makes us hate the killers more. Like, that's their purpose of dying yeah. is to make us feel something. So they didn't even kill Sam's secret boyfriend. Like that would have right, been which is what like, I wanted to get into. There's so many things where it's like just pick one, goddammit. So here's the thing. The new characters that were added to this, there was three, four. One of them survived, one of them died, and the other two were killers. Yeah. <laughs> so in the next movie, when everybody comes back, that herd of characters, and there's like three new characters, we're like gonna be like, all right, it's one of these two. Like right. yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be it, the suspect list is gonna get narrowed down quite a bit. Um which is actually why uh we're we're gonna get to this at the end, but I want you to at least start the wheels turning on it. But I'm very yeah. curious to know if you can um come up with an idea for who killers should be in, in seven if they do another one, which sure. I, I'm sure they will. Um, but we'll get to that at the very end. Cause I have a theory and uh, a really good fucking idea in my opinion, but let's not get there. Let's actually go back to the beginning because the opening of this movie was very interesting. I will say at the very least, the opening kill is always one of those things in a scream movie that you look forward to because after the first movie, they just continuously upped the ante on the opening sequences. Unless you're counting four. Four's opening sequence is gimmicky and stupid. But um, the rest of the time, different story. In the first film, you kill off Drew Barrymore, um, which everybody thought when the movie came out, I don't know when I say everybody, this is what everybody says, um, that Drew Barrymore was going to be the lead. Right. You know, go to the end of the movie. And then when she dies, you're surprised and shocked. I was a kid. I really didn't understand who Drew Barrymore was at the time or like what her name meant. Um, so to me, that was that was lost on me from the beginning. The second movie, a crowded movie theater, two people get off, is arguably the best opening sequence in the franchise, if you ask me, in terms of execution and a gimmick. The third sure, movie, yeah. third movie is interesting in the fact that they kill off a returning character right off the bat. So I give them credit there. The fourth movie... They have several of the stab movie openings playing instead of it actually being the movie and you never actually understand when it's going to be the actual <laughs> screen movie and not a stab movie. Yeah. Um, 
to me that was just shitty and it was there was a terrible opening sequence altogether because it was hacked in the edit room uh, by the fucking Weinsteins and the MPAA but that's another podcast the fifth movie the opening girl Jenna Ortega survives which is a, a new thing like we don't expect that especially when you're doing like a remake reboot type situation so that was kind of the I don't want to call it a gimmick but it was the surprise for that particular uh, film so this movie was very interesting because they have a classic, very easy kill. It's 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 basic basic scream opening just in New York. You know what I mean? Like it's very modern, like a Tinder catfish type deal. And the twist is the killer lifts up their mask within like the first thirty seconds of a, a murder, and that's like something that I expected. Much more audible gasps from from the audience, and there really yeah. wasn't any, which kind of shocks me. But um, no, that was a, that was a surprise because it is like, okay, where are we going with this? Because for a while, it's like, how long are we going to follow this character? Like, yeah, because well, we followed him for a while. I was very interested when he passed by Tara on his way yeah. home or whatever, and I was like, holy shit, are we going to get to know who the killer is the entire movie and kind of watch how yeah. they? They do it, and I thought that was really fun, and I was kind of excited to to see that. And then they kind of pulled the rug out from underneath us, which was fine. But that little taste of it was enough for me to yeah. be like, oh, that's they're thinking a little bit outside the box here. Um, and then he gets murdered by another ghost face who he doesn't know because him and his roommate were going to finish the movie that the killers in the previous movie were trying to inspire which I thought right. was interesting upon repeat viewings because that plays into the actual ending of the, the movie and the killer's motives. Uh, and it leads us to a great opening line of who gives a fuck about movies because that's <laughs> when I sat up in my seat for watching this movie because I was like, wait a minute, there's a ghost face and he doesn't give a shit about movies? This is new. This is different. This is interesting. So right off the bat, I was into it. Um and then we go to uh, the party, I think it was. No, we go to a uh, therapy session. And um, Samantha Carpenter is having a therapy session with the guy from Mission Impossible. And she doesn't tell him why she's there for six months, I guess. And then finally gets around to it. And then he, like, freaks out and says he's reporting her for the cops. And she's like, I didn't say I was going to do anything. Like, starts freaking out. She leaves, she goes home, she finds her sex positive, I almost said slutty, sex positive roommate, <laughs> uh, Quinn, who is banging some dude and got, every time I watch this movie, uh, when they when she says something, I think she talks about Chad or something like that, and you hear, hear in the other room, the guy's like, who the fuck is Chad? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that got a laugh from me every time and every yeah. audience that I saw it with. That was a really great moment. This one. Um, so then Sam goes to the party and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, Mindy's there with her girlfriend. Chad is there with his roommate, who's kind of a nothing burger. I would call this character, and we'll talk more about that as we go on. But I totally forgot about him. Quite yeah, he is a total nothing burger. There's no character, to, and I don't know if that's a um. An editing thing or just poor yeah. writing or what, but it was just, it, he was a complete nothing burger uh, of a character. And then, side note, we need to talk about this because it was in 
the 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 party scene when he's shirtless and wearing a cowboy hat and stuff that I realized and I pulled out my phone to check that Mason Gooding is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. Oh, I had no idea. I had no idea either, but <laughs> I put two and two together. I was like, he's kind of like Cuba Gooding Jr. And then I thought about his actor now. Oh, he's Mason Gooding. IMDb. Holy shit. <laughs> like, it actually is. Um, yeah, so then uh, there's some creepy guy hitting on a drunk Tara. And then we get into probably one of the more interesting scenes in the movie when they're on their way home. And Tara and her sister Sam get into an argument. And it was the first time I kind of felt something for Sam. Like, I felt sympathy for her. Like, you talked about in oh, the, the fifth movie, she really wasn't entirely interesting. She was kind of like a, a not a, a bore, but like a Debbie Downer. Like, everything, she was just complaining, and she was, oh, yeah. poor me, constantly. And it was not a way to create an endearing character. So, uh, immediately, they kind of changed it around where, um, not only did they establish that she's got this problem with her sister, like, she's trying to deal with everything that happened and help her sister and protect her sister. But also the fucking world is against her. Like they're throwing Slurpees on her and shit. Oh, yeah. It's going to be diet cherry Coke, um, <laughs> which is a plot point. Uh, not really a plot point, but it's just a fucking thing that they make sure they point out. I don't know if that, is that considered product placement? Maybe a little bit, a little bit. It's not, maybe. it's not overt, but yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a, it's a product tag. <laughs> um, so, uh, no, you you get a whole bunch of things all at once uh, to kind of make you feel bad for her. And you're, you know, you're yeah. on her side. So uh, they did a much better job, in my opinion, in this first act of kind of not rebooting. Oh, yeah, but, Sam's super relatable in this movie, I feel yeah. like. And I definitely like, I de like you were saying, I definitely get behind her as a character much more in this one because I'm I I, I feel invested because in in the first one I feel more invested really with like Tara you know because okay that's really what the in the first one in the first one the relationship's more about can Sam keep Tara alive and that's like her where yeah. her mentality is and you can kind of relate to it but it's really more about like oh well I hope that she you know Tara doesn't die basically. And in this one, it is more like, because she kind of has what, for me, it's like the same thing that I found so relatable about Sydney in later movies is like how the trauma of preceding movies has affected her over the course of that time. Yeah. And that's a super, super, super relatable thing to that they worked in for yeah. her. And it's and the thing about Sydney in those movies is that she's very much kind of like she has her friend group and all that stuff, but it's always mainly about her dealing with her own issues. Yeah. And in this, it was a little bit different. It was about an older sister trying to take care of her younger sister and her and kind of the kids that she babysat too, right? Because yeah. like Mindy and Chad and like the, those kids are they're they're important to her in that aspect. So it's kind of like she's a motherly figure, which is very yeah. interesting. Um. But she's also trying to work out her shit. So it's kind of like next level Sydney, which I really liked. I, I I felt like that was, quote unquote, a modern interpretation of a Sydney character where it's like, OK, you don't just have this one problem like your trauma, like you have everybody's trauma that you're carrying on your back and people are throwing shit at you while you're just trying to do the right thing. And they, they yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like it felt very real and very modern. And I really loved how they. They reapproached that character. Reintroduced is probably the best way to say it. 
where immediately you, you don't even have to like see the other movie. I feel like if I had seen if I had not seen five and I saw six, I would still be on her side. Like I would be very interested in seeing uh, her take care of her her friends and and her little sister. So after we do all of that, what the fuck happens next? Oh, um, Quinn's dad is introduced, who is uh, Detective Bailey, the police officer, which uh, I, I don't know if we were expected to think of him as the new Dewey, because I didn't. I really... I yeah, I didn't of, either. I thought of Chad as the new Dewey. You know what I mean? Like, that's the vibe yeah. that I got, and Tara's playing kind of the new Gale. Sam is the new Sydney, and Mindy is obviously the new Randy. Like, that, the core four... Uh, yeah. <laughs> is is are those characters? Are basically just those characters? So we get uh, introduced to Quinn's father, which is Sam and Tara's roommate, um, and he's investigating the the crime scene. And apparently, the crime scene of the opening kills the fake killer and the fake killer's first victim or only victim. I don't know if that was his first victim. He talked about blue balls. But I, I couldn't really tell if he had killed somebody before or not. I, it was really kind of yeah. hard to decipher. And I've seen the movie like four plus times. Um, but anyway, they left Sam's driver's license at the scene of the crime. And so he needs her to come down to the station and so he can interrogate her or whatever. So she leaves and her little sister argues with her. And she's like, I'm coming with you, blah, blah, blah. Then they get a phone call from Richie. But not Richie, just Richie's phone number, which... Upon repeat viewings, you realize, oh, that works. No, that 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 actually could happen. I could see how that could happen. And uh, it's the killer, and they're threatening uh, them. And then uh, he jumps out of a bush. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. The killer jumps out of a bush um, and tries attacking them. And then shit gets really serious. So this is going to be one of the aspects that we're really going to talk about here. And we kind of forgot about it in the opening which it, it really does get uh important in that particular scene but he chases them into a bodega and then he starts murdering customers right in front of everybody um right. and like right. everybody runs for it and it's kind of this like hide and seek game in the actual bodega which is a small one way in one way out uh grocery store um he's much more brutal this time oh, brutal yeah. was the word like yeah. very uh very very mean when it comes to how he kills people and all that and very much so uh the fake killer that gets killed in the opening sequence when you see his guts starting to like pierce out of the wounds and stuff like that when he's up against the fridge it's like ooh, this is a <laughs> yeah. lot gorier than i'm used to usually it's just like blood splurting and uh throat slit <laughs> but that's about as far as it goes in a scream movie um but there's gunshots and stabbings and all kinds of crazy shit going on. Uh, fortunately, they push over one of the aisles onto him and then they run out. Yeah, and, so that's a good, ten, like a really tense scene too. Like yes. I like the way that they did that scene when um, Sam and Tara are trying to like move past him without making you know making him aware or making the killer aware you know of where they are. Um, Throwing the can that had fallen yeah. over to the thing, or whatever. It was very Jurassic Parky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it felt like the end of Jurassic Park. Um, but you know that's fine. I probably would have made that kind of a reference too if I was doing a screen movie, and you know I saw the, the yeah. opportunity arise. Um, so they go out and then they get interviewed by Detective Bailey, 
and uh, they find out that the killer is leaving masks behind, and they used to uh, masks that were previously owned by previous Ghostface killers. And that's when we get introduced to Kirby, who is from Scream 4. And if you ask me, the only good fucking thing about Scream 4. Um, And she is now an FBI agent, which is very interesting. Uh, And her and Bailey start going over the uh, evidence about the stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I did want to talk about, I'm so happy that they pointed out that Stu was dead in the... Uh, evidence scene where they were like died 1996 and they hold on that fucking shot unbelievably long <laughs> so there's no mistaking that it's there um and then as after they do that I, I think i got things out of order here but regardless um after that sydney and tara go out of the police station and who do you know it's there good old gail weathers and uh, they get into a fight because Gail wrote a book, even though she said she wasn't going to write a book. Now, I do want to talk about this with you. Is it shameful that they reneged on this character growth that Gail seemingly had in five, where she was not going to write a book, and it was very much the... The news, the the modern news stance where it's like, oh, there's a um, uh, a, a gunman that just shot up a school or something like that. We're not telling you their name. We're not showing their picture. We're not giving them any celebrity whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then they do. <laughs> like three weeks later, they talk about <laughs> this person, this person, blah, blah, blah. And then you do it. You get the exact same situation with Gail. But this is a character that we have grown to love over the series of five movies and there's nowhere for her to go if she's just going to keep resetting her character every yeah. single time. Right. So that's probably one of the reasons why I was like, I had assumed like, okay, well, she's going to be the character who dies in this movie. Because like, she doesn't grow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's that what I thought really too. That's obvious to me. Yeah. And they didn't. And that's what I kind of was upset about was because if you are like, I'm not creative from a creative standpoint, I'm okay with them making that decision that Gail is just going to go back to being Gail. But it, I don't know if it's like the morality part of me or whatever, but in, in movies, it's supposed to, to play a factor in terms of, you know, uh, people's destiny or characters, destinies where it's like, you create your own ruin. You know what I mean? And it, it, yeah. like if they had worked it in a way where Gail doing that ended up being the cause of her demise, it, it adds a little, you know, morality lesson to it. But no, it's just Gail. That's what she does. And she'll keep on doing it. Like I, I it, it just ended up meaning nothing. Yeah, it does. I mean, it does like, um, it devalues five char- a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it shallows her character a lot. And, also kind of like because it's like okay basically the the trade that they do in this movie is like okay well we're not gonna get sydney but you'll get gail and it's like okay well but can we at least make gail a more likable character (laughs) right um that to me yeah that that was an odd decision on their part and i get like they need to have kind of comedic relief in that sense and Gail provides that to some extent. Um, she also furthers the plot 
like nobody else because oh I found this because I'm good at my job. What? Yeah, yeah. No, the that part that part's a little um that part's a little random. I feel like like <laughs> yes. the whole like the whole evidence chamber thing was kind of a big. It was kind of hard for me to swallow. It's, it's a also, great set piece, but it was terribly worked in. Yeah, it's also like the slowest part of the movie is when they're just hanging like, out. Yeah, and I'm just like, where are we going? <laughs> what are we doing? Like, well, we we'll get to there in a minute. I don't want to get ahead yeah. of ourselves, but yeah. uh, they get into a fight with Gail, and then what do they do next? I don't really remember. Is it just they're all together um, at the party? Do you remember what happens next? I think it's just them uh, at the party. I think or that's whatever, when right? they go. I think that's when they go back to the. Is that where they go back to the apartment? And then you get a little bit of uh, like the, the new boyfriend. They, they the, yeah, the whole thing with the new boyfriend. Well, we haven't talked about that. We may have skipped over it in in uh, chronological order, so we can go over it a little bit. But um, there's a new boy uh, uh, across the uh, not across the hall, but like I guess in the same apartment building, but in a different wing or something. I don't know. Right. Um, they can see in his window and he's shirtless and he's muscular and you know, it's, uh, uh, the female gaze is, is well represented, I guess. <laughs> and, um, uh, they all keep telling Sam that she should go ask him out. And she says no. And then you find out that she's secretly dating him anyway. This was confusing to me because I don't, I, I don't understand why she wouldn't why she would hide that from people. Is she trying to like embellish her trauma or something with everyone? Like I it didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't. Uh, when I was watching the movie, it made a little uh, it made a little sense to me, but I can't remember why it made sense to me now. It's just kind of like I don't think it's to embellish her trauma so much as it's like almost a guilt thing. I think. Okay. That's how I read it. It's like a, like, she feels like she's so responsible for taking care of her sister that if her sister knew she's, like, dating some guy or whatever, she would, like, Sam would feel guilty about that, if that makes sense. Yeah, Sam like, thinks that Tara would think she was, like, neglecting her or something Because that's like part that. of the, okay. part of the, I think part of the thing in, in Sam's psychology is, like, oh, yeah, Tara says that she doesn't want me to take help take care of her, but really she does. And, of course, Tara doesn't. But, like, Sam has this responsibility complex that's, like, really built into her. Yeah. Um, that's how I read it, you know. Um, I don't know how else to read it, or maybe that's, Maybe that literally is her kink, you know, like that's kind of what gets her off. So I don't know. I don't know. Either way, um, we can talk about Danny for a quick second, which is the name of the character. Um, he looks like a killer. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a very hard, edgy kind of look to him. Yeah. But he's he the uh, props to the actor because he plays him just like a cuddly bear. Like he's just like a fun dude. Like he's yeah. just very cool and easygoing. I gotta tell you, it's I don't think it's supposed to be funny. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is supposed to be funny. But the next scene that I can think about anyway that we're gonna talk about is when Quinn gets killed and he Danny watches through the window. When Danny notices Ghostface and he goes, "Yo." 
Like, I just lose it every fucking time. <laughs> it's just funny to me because he's kind of like a um, uh, a himbo in that moment. Like, you know what I, Like, it's yeah. one of those things where he's just like, is, is he really that fucking dumb? Um, and then he's like trying to get their permit or their attention and all this. And then it leads to a very, a very, another very tense scene where Ghostface yeah. attacks them. He kills Quinn. He kills uh, the random boyfriend or the random lover of the week for of Quinn, who yeah. if you blink it, you'll miss it. Uh, the guy is dead in the bathtub. Yeah. Um, who for the longest time I kept thinking the guy in the bathtub was the same guy that Sam tased at the party. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. It's not. I I confirmed it because I mentioned it on Twitter and someone said disagreed with me. So the next time I went and saw it, I like eagle-eyed it and they were right i was wrong um it wasn't him but i thought it was and i thought that was a brilliant move if it had been the guy she tased because uh so spoiler alert not that we're not already there but um the killers are trying to frame sam for to being a killer so if she had tased this guy in front of so many people uh it would have made sense if they killed him and made it look in her apartment and you know what I mean? Like that would add up to the stuff like that. So I thought that that's who he was half the time. Again, it was a blink and you miss it. And I thought he kind of looked at him, looked like him the first time I saw it. And then my brain just forced it uh, to be him the rest of the viewings until I was corrected. Um, And then there's a very uh, tense scene where Mindy, so Tara and Chad, I don't ever even recall them running out the front door, but they go out the front door and they leave their keys in and they can't get back in. So they're stuck outside of the building. Um, so they have to do this ladder thing. Uh, the rest right. of the, the people who are stuck in the building or in the apartment to get across to Danny's apartment, which is kind of weird. I don't know if they have ladders like that in New York city, but I bought it, you know, I'll just take it. Um, and a very sure, great not? scene of them all going over the yeah. ladder and then finally Ghostface breaking into the room and uh, knocking Mindy's girlfriend off of the ladder and she hits her head pretty hard on the dumpster and that's the end of her. Yeah. Um, so I guess going back to the do you not kill Mindy argument. You have now just killed a queer female of color because she's not a white girl. I, I yeah, she I, seemed Asian to me. Yeah, she was yeah. either Asian or Hispanic. I, I'm not sure, enti- right. entirely sure yeah, yeah. Uh, what her ethnicity is. Yeah. Uh, I apologize for being wrong because I know I am, but uh, she's not white. It's just it's it's that very simple. So uh, you have a three strike minority. <laughs> Who, who just gets brutally murdered. And then you have to ask yourself, do you do that again? With You know what I mean? So yeah. it, 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 I, I can understand their hesitation to not kill Mindy because they killed off her girlfriend. So um, that that could be a understandable argument that they could make because you don't want to piss off. Because let's, uh, let's take a pause here for something. I don't know if I remember I talked about whether or not in our Giant Scream podcast, but... I have been a Scream fan for a very long time, and I can tell you, much like my Hocus Pocus fandom, I am one of the very few straight guys in this <laughs> this community <laughs> of fans. Um, 
the Scream fans has a lot of gay fans, mostly Brazilian gay men. I don't know why they're all Brazilian, but they all seem to be Brazilian. Yeah. Um, and it's understandable given the fact that uh, Kevin Williamson, the screenwriter and creator of all of this, really uh, is a gay man. So I, I guess they might feel represented. And, I, you know, they, there's a, lot a whole of it, uh, a lot of it, I think, is the meta elements of it. Because yeah. there is like a certain amount of that in screen movies. There's a certain amount, not sarcasm, but like a mocking, like yeah. jovial kind of thing. And then you also yeah. have characters like Gail Weathers, who is like a gay icon for some reason. Tatum Riley, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character from Scream 2. Um, what's the name of the chick from 3? I forget her name. Mm. Parker Posey. Parker oh, yeah, Posey yeah. is like, I don't know if she's a lesbian, um, but uh, she's like a, a, a gay cult hero as well. So, you know, it's well ingrained throughout this franchise that there are a lot of uh, either queer icons, queer characters, queer actors, queer yeah. creators. I it's mean, very... Gail Weathers sounds like a drag icon name. It does. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's very much, she's she's very much a queen. Yes. Um. So, getting back to my point, yeah. if you're gonna be murdering gay characters and move in these movies, you kind of gotta pick your battle because you don't want to isolate your audience sure. a lot. And yeah. uh, again, I guess I'm the minority in this particular instance. So I guess I can give them that pass where it's like, okay, you know, you did, you did at least kill one of them. You weren't uh, afraid to do that, but two might've been a little much and it might've upset a lot of people. So sure. I get it. It's a financial decision when you come down to it. Sometimes you got to put some of the finances before the story. So and this is something I think about a lot is that Tara would have been thematically probably the most expendable. Yes. The most appropriate person to actually kill off. Yeah. Because then that would actually like really bring everything together within what's you know what's discussed in the yeah. movie, basically. Absolutely, I agree. Um, a scene that we forgot, which is very telling about how how not important it is, but uh, meaningless, I guess it would be, is the murder of Sam's psychiatrist. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of the happens. Only, the uh, the only plot important part of it is that the Ghostface gets the um, documents. That but were why? In. What does that end up doing? I don't he know. He already reported her to the police because <laughs> Bailey talks about it. So yeah. I don't know what that why that was important, other than the fact that uh, the killer kills the psychiatrist who had told Sam they were they were going to do that. So it was framing Sam looking like they were trying to kill their psychiatrist before he could out them to the police or, or her yeah. to the police. I mean, it's so. never, it's never, that setup's never paid off as far as I can figure. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's not really, doesn't really lead to much. Same. Um, so then after, uh, the Quinn dies and Mindy's girlfriend dies and Mindy's or, uh, and Quinn's flavor of the week dies. So three people in that fucking scene, technically, um, we have Detective Bailey stumbling out in, in tears and very mad, and apparently they've kicked him off the case now because his daughter... Well, why the fuck wouldn't you? Because your daughter's dead. Yeah, right. And um, then... What the fuck is his name? Ethan. Ethan. Mr. Nothingburger shows back up, and everybody is on this motherfucker's case. Like, you are Ghostface. We know you are Ghostface. Yeah. You are fucking Ghostface. And it becomes a very Billy Loomis scenario where, like, 
Well, I guess it's not him since we all they're all pointing the finger at him, so he can't be him. Um, and they kind I, they kind of shoo him away, but then not really because immediately after is when Gail shows up and she's like, "I need to show you something." And everybody's like, "Okay." And then Kirby shows up and Kirby's like, "Hi, Gail," and they have a little back and forth, which was fun. Uh, and then they go to, as we talked about this. Uh, old abandoned movie theater that has all kinds of evidence from previous killings. Right. Not not movie memorabilia from the stab movies. Actual evidence from murders that have taken place. And the excuse for this is Gail is just quote unquote really good at her job. Not. Not. Um, what's her name? Jesus, I forgot it already. The blonde. Kirby? Kirby. Not Kirby, the FBI agent who's been, quote-unquote, tracking ghost face murders for months. Uh, (laughs) Okay, she hasn't found this. Gail just happened to find this. uh, and and Not even shown her finding this or how she came about finding it. It's just throwaway dialogue to get us into the fucking theater. Kirby felt a little shoehorned into this movie. Also, yeah. I feel like, I mean, I, she, yeah, you should go on because there's a point in which she disappears and I kind of even forget she's in the movie. I'm just like, okay, so, whatever. They walk into this fucking thing, this theater, and this is where I start having problems. Cause up until now I'm having a fun time with this movie. Yeah. And in theory, seeing all these little Easter eggs and callbacks and stuff like that and acknowledgments of past films is really fun for fans. Like I, this must've been how people felt when they saw uh rogue one because, sure. because I, you know what I mean? Like I didn't really get it. It felt kind of cringy to me when I saw those things um, in that movie, but to this, it was, it was really exciting and fun. And maybe that's just my bias, but I'm watching this and they're, doing things they're touching things they're looking at things they're just randomly talking about shit and i'm thinking to myself isn't this a fucking crime scene shouldn't, right. shouldn't this be locked <laughs> down immediately shouldn't they be like all right everybody get the fuck out we need to fucking print all this we need to get people in here da 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 da, da. no it, kirby and uh the guy who got kicked off the case don't do anything. Now, I get the guy get, getting kicked off the case for multiple reasons. Number one, he just got kicked off the case. And he just wants to find the killer and kill it. Number two, yeah. spoiler alert, he's the fucking killer. So why is he going to be going and telling the police, oh, yeah. we need to go there? But why the fuck isn't Kirby taking control of this yeah. going, this everybody is- out. This is my jurisdiction now. Goodbye. This is around the point in the movie where I was like, well, maybe the maybe Kirby's the killer. Which they and- want you to think. Yeah. But they, yeah, they're not doing, I don't know, they just do a weird job of, like, like, that's a fine red herring to have, but, like, you, I don't know, the way it's done is just kind of, it just feels off-kelter, because it just feels like, it feels like they amble around in that theater for forever, and I don't know why. It doesn't make sense to me why there's much time. And Ethan, Mr. Mr. Ghostface, prime suspect of the group, is with them, and he just awkwardly, cringely, shoehorn lined in in the middle of a fucking scene goes, uh, why am I here? <laughs> like, we were all asking that question because to be honest with you, I hadn't noticed he was even in the scene at that point. <laughs> and then one of them was like, oh, so I can keep an eye on you. And I'm like, really? What the fuck? Like, this is terrible. Like, no. Yeah. He just, no. 
And then you have a very sweet moment between Kirby and Mindy, which is kind of fun. You have to do the Kirby meets Mindy moment where sure. the two female Randys all of a sudden show up and they, you know, they do their movie uh, yeah. movie trivia off and all that kind of stuff, which I thought was fun. It was a good little bit of fan service and it didn't take up too much time. Um, and then uh, Sam kind of wrestles with the whole Billy Loomis costume in front of her. Then on repeat viewings, I start having more problems because we find out at the end of the movie that this is Richie's uh, cult collection of things, right? Richie was the killer in the previous film, the, the main killer, I guess you could say. And there are drawings of all of the people, right, that are very clearly not evidence. They are just like uh, fan sketches of yeah. them. And there are drawings of Dewey from five in six that would presumably have been done by Richie in the midst of everything that happened in five. He was sketching and then somehow that evidence found its way back into this warehouse. Right. Yeah, because that's like in New York City, right? And that's the opposite. And the murders in the in in the last California one place in, yeah. In a very <laughs> short amount of time. So He's I don't know FedEx. I don't know how the fuck this happened. Um I don't know. And then um there's a very, very, very good scene that is meant I, to I'm to sorry, point I'm gonna, the I'm gonna... I'm going to say I can think of a way that it would happen, but you have to really buy. I mean, you have to really buy the ultimate reveal, right? Okay. He sent them um, to his daddy. Yeah. Basically you have to buy that. They were in, they were like fully acknowledging like he was the killer at that time. If you get what I'm saying, because if Richie, Richie is the in five, right? Right. And he's like the son of um, fucking Bailey. the cop Bailey, right? So it, the only way you make sense of it is he he did the drawing, he FedExed it to his dad. He was like, "Hey, can you put this in my memorabilia vault?" <laughs> like that's basically like the logistical thing. And his dad was like, "Okay, well, my son's a serial killer. That's great." Or maybe he did it he was sketching randomly or whatever. And then after he was the killer, they confiscated all of his items, found it. It went into evidence oh, and then sure. Bailey got it and put it there. Maybe you could do that, but either way, I guess I, it was, it was very hard for me to swallow the fact that those were there and displayed and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I digress. We move on. And then there is a scene between Kirby and Tara that I absolutely fucking loved, which was, it, it, it was kind of meant to, uh, subtly implied that Kirby was the killer yet again. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it was very uh, Sydney. Uh, I'm a fighter from scream Two, where it was like, I decided not to be a victim anymore. I decided that they should fear me and I became the monster. Like it, it was very mm -hmm. empowering. And I very much liked that because in the first movie, Tara is just the stakes. She doesn't really have a lot of character. Like she's just the stakes as we talked about before. And then in this movie, 
a little whiny to get us started. Like she's a little bit of a, a, a brat and it's not that endearing. But then when she has that kind of uh, discussion with Kirby and Kirby's like, no, I took the power back and I became a force for them to fear. And then Tara's kind of like, yeah, I like that. And like, I'm going to, I'm going to follow in those kinds of footsteps. I think that's the mentality I want to have. I really started getting back on her side like that. That was a really sweet moment for me. Um, and I very much enjoyed it. And then we went from that moment to another very sweet moment. And it, it wells me up in my eyes when Sam is talking to Gail and they're discussing her mother uh, and how their family kind of fell apart after the events of the last film. And Gail kind of talks about how you make your own family and you find people who, you know, you, you can make a family with and they start playing Dewey's theme underneath sure. it yeah. fucking breaks me every time it should be illegal to play dewey's music anymore i don't <laughs> think that should be allowed i think that's unfair i think that's hurtful uh it's salt in the wound but man was that a great moment um and then they decide okay we're gonna go on the offensive and we're gonna try and trap him so they go into a park there's a whole thing in the van where they're like this is exactly how our fucking uncle got killed like why are we doing this <laughs> and the movie starts falling apart even more for me where uh, the killer calls them and then he hangs up and then you find out that the killer is in Gail's apartment uh, on the other side of town. And this is when I start noticing things, especially on the repeat viewings, when Bailey, Detective Bailey is chasing them before they steal his cop car. He's limping. He's kind of like crudgedly trying to catch up to them. Don't steal my cop car. Right. Ghostface up until this point has been very slick and brutal and very physical. Like he has been like a well in shape young man. And in the instances where he was that it was highly unlikely that it was Mr. Nothing Burger or uh, Quinn, who are the other two killers, the the kids of Detective Bailey, and I'm starting to think to myself: Is he putting? Is he pulling a Yoda? Is that a? You know what I mean? Like he's faking that he's not that yeah. you know physically able, so that they won't suspect him or whatever. And I'm thinking, okay, that might work very well. Keep this in mind because it's going to come back into play in my arguments later. So then we have Gail's phone call, which was fucking great. The entire Gail scene was phenomenal. Um, Gail and Ghostface on the phone. I love how Ghostface talks to Gail like it's the same Ghostface from the first fucking movie. We've never right. talked on the phone before. Bitch, like, <laughs> who knows who you are? Like, you went around <laughs> in Woodsboro. Go away. Um, but it, it was still very fun, and Gail was very Gail. Uh, they had a, they slipped in a couple of meta moments where it's like, Sydney's the hero. What are you? The brain's in the sex appeal. Like, you know, little things like that were fun, and uh, it was really interesting to see Gail's character on the phone with Ghostface. So I very much enjoyed that. The actual chase scene dynamics and everything, everything about it, well done. Yeah. Can you hold, please? What? Always got to laugh in the theater. Because <laughs> in, in the history of screen films, nobody has ever put Ghostface on hold. <laughs> And it was about time that it finally happened. I was very, I was very happy with this scene. Were you Rainwater? Did you like oh, how yeah, that scene no, was, was executed? Great. I mean, 
my thing was is like I was that was the same. I was like, okay, Gail's gonna get killed. Like oh, I was yeah. like, okay, she's dying. And so that was I. I was surprised by how much a they carried on like her ability to fight. And there were there were points where I was like, okay, well maybe she isn't gonna die. You know, like they really like push it as far as they can. Sure. So that you that you can maximize the tension out of that scene. And the way they do it, um, I was really impressed by. Like I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that scene a lot, for sure. Her poor boyfriend though. <laughs> Another nothing burger. Big yeah, beefy know. dude. And he got taken out by a, a, a ninety pound redhead girl. Like, uh, I don't understand how that fucking happens. But okay. Um he well, okay. Here's the thing. We know that it's Quinn that kills her boyfriend, mm-hmm. right? This giant six foot something, 200 plus pound dude. I buy the fact that Quinn jumps out from nowhere, puts her hand over his mouth, maybe slits his throat or stabs him, whatever like that, and kills him. I buy that because I don't care how tall or short you are or whatever, whatever your gender, it doesn't matter. If somebody has a knife and they catch you by surprise, you can get yeah. fucking killed. It's that simple. Yeah. Where I have a problem is the fact that Quinn picked him up and threw him through a fucking window in the middle of the living room like he was nothing. (laughs) That just doesn't fucking happen. It's a weird, I feel like it's a weird element in all the Scream films where it's like somehow having the mask makes you just like superhuman. Yeah. Yeah. And and I get it. It's part of the fun of it and you're not supposed to think about it that deep. But, but. If if you ask me, when you have a movie like this, you want to be able to go rewatch it and find little clues. Like I think that to me is the attention of detail that I want from these movies. And when you don't get it, it's a little defeating. And that's gonna get uh, that's gonna get blown the fuck up as we enter the third act now. So we enter the third act and they go to the warehouse, uh, the theater, excuse me, with all of the memorabilia. Um, I forget fucking why. Do they? I don't say remember. Why? Oh no, no, no! That's right. Not... There's a great scene at the hospital after after that where uh, Sam is like, "I should just give myself up. I should let him kill me, and that'll be the end of it." And I love oh, that scene. Yeah. That cemented Sam as a great character to me because that's something I had always wondered if they were gonna do with Sydney, if she was gonna just say, "I should just kill myself or let someone kill me" or something like that, because then this will all be over and it'll be done and you guys will be safe. But That'll be it. And yeah. then her friends step up and like, no, we're not letting this happen to you. It's very, very, very inspiring moment. I was very happy to, to see that. Um, and so then they say, let's try and trap him again. Was that when they go into like that? Is that when they split up and end up going on the subway and all that stuff? Yeah. So but I'm trying to remember why they go back to the theater. See, I don't remember why. I think Kirby said, oh, obvious. I set it up like a trap or something like that, but they just tried to do a trap in the park. So it's, it, I don't know, it felt kind of repetitive. But either way, they go back to the fucking theater. I'm going to have to watch this movie again. Uh, not that I'm not going to, but um, uh, every day. And so this is, uh, I'm going to get into my overall feelings now. Like we started the podcast with yours, but I'm going to say it uh, right now before we even finish the, the breakdown. I loved this movie. The first time I watched it, and I hate it more and more every single time I rewatch it. <laughs> and 
This is why the third act falls the fuck apart and it's really, really bad. So they go back to the theater. I think Kirby said she was set it up as a trap or something like that. They kick the boyfriend out because they don't trust him, which I was a fan of. Um, and I liked that he was cool about it. Like he was yeah, like, yeah, no, you should be great. doing that. That that's, He's a that's keeper, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Like that's well, and that's just, that feels like a very real character. Like, yeah. A lot of times people say, oh, I don't see myself in characters and stuff like that. When I watch a character who's like, no, I get it. You, this is exact. You're right. This is the right thing to do. That's how I would fucking act if I was that dude. Sure. And yeah. she was like, I can't have you here. I barely know you. And I'd be like, you know what? You're right. I'm out. Where would you like me to go? You want me to go to police station? Where do you, like my apartment? You tell me where to go. That's where I'm going to fucking like, I will be the complete little bitch. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. I'm going to do what you say so I can yeah. earn trust and whatever. Um, so they go in and then they start really leaning on the Kirby is the crazy person here. And she's locked everybody in and she's running around his ghost face and killing people. We have a sweet moment with, um, Min, not Mindy. Um, okay. So wait, before they get there, I'm sorry. They're going there and the train sequence happens. We can't not talk about the train sequence because they get split up by the New York city crowds. Now, first off, there's a very important thing to point out, and I have waited until this moment to bring it up because we are now entering the third act. We're on the cusp of or are just about to enter the third act. This entire fucking movie from the opening scene to now to the to the end credits takes place during fucking Halloween. Right. I don't think I saw one fucking pumpkin the entire goddamn no, movie. No, it's really not. Yeah, it's not. It's not mentioned at all. I mean, I don't know what Halloween is like in New in New York City. You know, but I'm, but you would want to do that, right? You would want to. Why wouldn't you that. lean into that? Yeah. and kind of add another dimension to this movie. The Halloween yeah. atmosphere is ripe. For a scream movie thing, yeah. So they get split up. They go on the train, and everybody's in Halloween costumes except for our main characters. And there are several ghost faces, which they did set up. I will give credit where credit is due. Earlier in the movie, where they were like, "Oh, this killing happened," and they left the ghost face mask, and now ghost face masks are selling out all across the city, and blah blah blah. I was like, "All right, I buy it." Like fucking kids, and just the like. Yeah. The, the 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 mania of it all and like the hysteria and the f- like I get I bought that. So there are several ghost faces on the train at the time with werewolves and Freddy Kruegers and all kinds of little references to movies here and there. And it was very fun to see all that kind of stuff. I do think it would have been more fun if um uh Ghostface had killed some other slasher icons. Yeah. Like if Ghostface yeah. killed Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger or something like I thought that would have been that fun. Was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Absolutely was missed opportunity. Or 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 for someone to have dressed as another horror movie slasher and been Ghostface and killed them or did like a um uh what uh, like a cosplay mashup where they took like Michael Myers and Ghostface and made them into sure. one, or you know what I mean? Like you could have had a lot of fun with that. So there's a lot, yeah. There's a lot you could you could have done them. You could have done the multiple masks gag. Yeah, like, 
Absolutely. Jason's mask and then Michael Myers mask. Instead, yeah, instead of like the the former killer's masks. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you could have done that that way. That would have been fun. There was a a bunch of a bunch of opportunities left on the yeah. table that I I do kind of get upset about the fact that they did not use. But yeah. I mean, it, it seems like that was an idea that somebody had last minute in like the Halloween aspect of it just really was never that big of a part. Maybe it was a big part in the script, but in as they were going through it, they're like, well, we just can't put as much effort or time into this. Well, otherwise you can't have Mindy get stabbed on, on a train by Ghostface in broad daylight, like uh, unless yeah. everybody's in some kind of a costume. So it, like it, otherwise it doesn't work. But see, that would have been the opportunity for you have four or five ghost face on the train and the actual killer is not dressed as ghost face. Like that's the nice, that would have been the nice twist yeah. about that particular yeah. sequence was, okay, which ghost face is the one? Oh shit. It's the one dressed like Michael Myers. Like, and, and that would have been the nice twist where it's like, Oh shit. Like, da, 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 da. like, I don't know. I think that would have been the right way to go, but yeah. whatever, I guess, I guess I'm just more creative than radio silence. I think they should hire me to do seven whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so Mindy gets stabbed while Nothing Burger kind of watches, but not really, but kind of does. And you're like, I don't understand. Where is he during this? Okay, he couldn't have taken the clothes off that fast. He must not be the killer. But why is he staring like that? Like, I don't like it was a very is he is he not? I don't know what's happening here. Yeah. Um, and I guess that was fair. That was relatively well done. Uh, and then you find out it was, in fact, his sister, Quinn, that was doing the, the stabbing later on. So then we get to the actual theater. Sam and them get there. They kick the boyfriend out. Kirby's there. They lock the doors like a shark cage or something, and there's no way in, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. It's like, there's no way in, so there's no way out, so it's just going to be us? Like, I don't understand what's happening here. Um, and then they all go off to the left, and Kirby smiles and goes to the right. Ooh. Come on. Like at at that point, it it became the okay. So it's not Kirby. Um, it was very clear at that in that point. So then we have a very tender moment between um, Chad and Tara, and then from fucking nowhere, like they like a ghost face just pops the fuck up and starts uh, stabbing him, and then I think he fights back a little bit, and then. Uh, Right when you think he's got the upper hand, he gets stabbed, and then it's revealed that the second ghost face is there as well. Yeah. And they fucking, they slaughter this fucking dude. Yeah. Six ways from Sunday. Yeah, yeah. he should have been dead. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense that he survives. I don't, I, I wish I'd gone back and counted how many times he got stabbed, because it's ridiculous. They must have, they must have originally plan to have him die nope and then really i watched in one of the the spoiler interviews with the directors and they said the plan was always that it was a secret feel-good movie so nobody none of them were planned to die from the beginning you got to do a better job with fucking stuff (laughs) well that's that's where our problems start really beginning because he should be dead. As much yeah. as I loved him, he should be dead. There's like, no it, way he should be alive. It was like one step away from blowing his brains out, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was just like so... It, there's no way you survive that. Right. And so he falls, and then Sam and Tara are chased by the ghost faces, And I don't think very much happens after that. They just kind of get stuck in one little situation 
with the two ghost faces, and then there's a showdown, and then Kirby comes and saves them, and the ghost faces run away, and then Bailey shows up, and he had called Sam earlier and said that uh, Kirby was on a downward spiral ever since what happened in uh, Scream 5, and that uh, she's the killer. So it's the standoff between the two cops, and then one of the ghost faces runs up behind Bailey, and um, Kirby tries to warn him, and instead he takes the shot and he shoots Kirby, and the ghost face stops right behind him, and he looks at him and goes, oh, good job. And then he turns to his other side and he goes, the both of you. And the other one walks up, and then da-da-da-da-da, it's three killers. Correction, there's actually technically five killers in this movie, but we won't get, we won't get into that just yet. Um, you're looking at me funny, but you know this. Yeah, I'm, I just can't remember. The two in the beginning. Oh, right, 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 right. The guy who gets yeah, yeah. killed, and then his roommate yeah, yeah. was his partner, but he That's was killed right. off screen, so we never really That's got to right. see him. But technically, there are five killers in this movie. Um, So then there's this giant fucking monologue. Here's the thing. <laughs> Every Scream movie has a giant monologue, right? It's the big motive. Here's my reason I want you to fucking know. Blah, 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 blah. This guy goes on for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the monologues in the past go on for like five. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they keep it very fucking simple as to... Here's why I did this, and this is why I want you. Like, duh, 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 duh. and maybe it'll go six minutes if they decide to add a little cherry on top and go, well, I was going to turn on this motherfucker. This is what I really want. And that's kind of that's kind of it. And then you get into the fuck you, fuck you, and they, they fight, and it's the end of the movie. This goes on for 20 fucking minutes. And the entire time, Bailey is limping around crotchety. The Yoda thing has gone out the window. It's not possible he's Yoda-ing this. He is just yeah. out of shape, not not uh, like a very limber young dude who can just do all the things that Ghostface has been doing. He reveals it's his son and his daughter, and they are the family of Richie, who was killed by Sam in the previous movie. And this was his shrine. And then they go into all of these fucking painstaking details to explain every possible plot hole that anyone could ever bitch about. Where they're just like, oh, I put this this fucking warehouse in the or the theater in the name of those two schmucks we killed in the beginning. And it was there. The money traces back to them. And I did this. And these were his home movies. And he collected it. And I loved my son. Fucking What? Oh yeah, we ripped. <laughs> oh, we juked the roommate lottery so that we each, each one of each of my kids was, uh, with, uh, rooming with one of you. Oh, and by the way, my daughter didn't really die. I snuck in during the the very first thing and swapped out the bodies and, like, every conceivable thing that you could have just put together in your head. Like you, oh, I guess they faked something. How they had to explain, and it felt very desperate. And it, at all this time, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, you know, you guys could be making a fucking run for it during this. Like, right. you know, <laughs> let's try and do something here. So then they do get to the fucking showdown part where they're kind of squaring off. And there's things going on. There are three killers. There's a Detective Bailey with his gun. And then there's two of his kids who each have a knife. Right. 
There are fights going on between Sam and with Sam and Tara fighting the kids and Bailey, who has a fucking gun, is kind of just not shown when he like like these people like they are literally at times stabbing his kids with knives that are in the like the theater or that their own knives are throwing TVs and shit like that at them. All this kind of stuff. Bailey has a fucking gun and doesn't do anything with it. He's not shown. He's not around. It's not like he's not stopping them. He's not yeah. protecting his kids. It's very well. Like when you watch it multiple times, you're like, well, Bailey's supposed to be standing right there. We just saw him in the shot before. Why isn't he shooting hmm. Sam? Like, it's like She's a Dragon the... Ball Z fight. Yeah, uh, I don't watch Dragon Ball Z, but I'm assuming so that's that... kind of what they do in Dragon Ball Z. Okay. Like, why don't y'all team up? I'm like, no, we're just gonna let Goku fight. Oh, okay. Sure. Whatever. So <laughs> it, it gets it gets really fucking bad, and then there's there's fun little callbacks. Uh, the fuck you, fuck you from Scream Three. Um, the then that okay. So now we have to talk about what you brought up in the very beginning, which was. People are getting stabbed left and right, walking it off. Like it, it like yeah. you get stabbed and the audience goes, oh, he got her. And then not 30 seconds later, it's like that wound isn't even there. Right? Like fucking Tara gets stabbed in the back at one point and she's just, Meh, I'm going to keep on going. Um, So, okay. We're going back to where we all started with this, with your complaint that, People are getting stabbed and walking it off like it's no yeah. fucking problem. So Tara gets stabbed in the back at one point. Doesn't fucking matter. Um, Sam is getting cut like on her arm or like her, I think under her uh, arm, maybe even like on like her torso. Doesn't fucking matter. Like all of these things are not happening. Fucking um, at one point, not Mr. Nothing Burger Kid gets stabbed down his throat with a very big one-liner, like, die a fucking virgin or something like that. By yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's very, like, that's a fucking kill shot right there. Like, you're getting stabbed like that. And then he comes back not five minutes later, and he's screaming and running at them, and Kirby throws a TV at his head. Um, which was fine for, you know, the the whole stew in-joke thing that they got going on. But it, it literally doesn't matter. So then, they, you know, they kill all the killers. And I want to talk one more thing about that before we we uh, we get to the very end. Of the three killers, who did you like the most? I actually thought that um, that the younger brother uh, was his name Ethan. Yeah, was the the most interesting one because he is like he's the one where I'm like, yeah, he probably is the killer. So you thought Ethan was the most interesting. Yeah, because I felt like, I mean, I have to say, like, both of the siblings, like, Quinn was the one I did not expect at all, you know? Well, right, you can't. Like, they yeah. very much cheated that one, but. Uh, <laughs> but Ethan was the one that I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think because they played so much, or they played around them so much where it's like, oh, you know, maybe they're, it's like a false flag kind of thing where it's like, he would typically be a killer in previous movies, you know? So it's like, ah, it probably isn't. And then when you're, when you figure out like all the things that are going on, you're like, Oh, okay. Like, I think just from, um, I guess he's interesting to me from a logical standpoint 
as as a character, um, Quinn was probably the most interesting to me. Same. I, I to be honest with you, I felt her emotion as the most most authentic in the third act. Sure. Like yeah. Bailey, Bailey felt a little forced. I I don't think Dermot Mulroney was really doing that well of an acting job. I think he's a fine actor in general, but in this particular thing, it very it very much came off as mustache twirling to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's a when, little it's a hard sell. Yeah, for sure. uh, and they were trying to do a Mrs. Loomis thing, a la Scream Two, which I get, you know, and I appreciate that attempt for the homage to that, but uh, it just didn't work for me on on for him. Uh, but when when Quinn was like screaming at her, she's like, "You killed our brother, you motherfucker!" Like, I felt it. Like it felt yeah. like she was legitimately angry. Because here's the thing: the brother and the dad are hamming it up the most of the time with the kind of goofy "we're psycho" kind of thing. She yeah. felt angry. You know what I mean? Which was the motive you were supposed to be having revenge for her killing your your sibling, your bro- your son. And she was the only one that gave that thing. Now, she did feel a little sinister at a couple points where she was like, hey, room, like, blah, blah, blah. And I get that. But she's the only one that really felt anger. You know what I mean? Sadness is one thing. Sadness doesn't make you kill people. Anger could make you kill people. So Definitely felt legitimate with her, for sure. Yeah. So I, I really, really wanted to take a moment to applaud that actress because I think she did the best job out of the three killers. I think she was the standout. And I, I, I hope in the years to come and all the fandom and stuff like that, that she is the one that finds some kind of a cult worship out of seven or uh, episode six. So uh, I just wanted to make sure we, we tackled that before we moved on. So now Sam finally dresses as Ghostface, and she stabs the shit out of Bailey which in a sequence that just did not work um, where he's surrounded by the mannequins of Ghostface, but right. none of them are wearing any of the masks. So it's not like she's hiding in the mannequin. Like it's just not, it doesn't make sense. Like I could see where if they were wearing the masks, it would be like, okay, one of these is not a mannequin and it's, you know what I mean? Like, but they're all very clearly mannequins. And then Sam just comes out of nowhere from behind him uh, and and kills him, and then her and Tara have this moment where it's like, oh, do we not kill you? And then no, okay, we kill you, and it it, it just felt very eh to me. I don't know. I I didn't really care for it. Um, when when Sam killed uh Quinn, the girl, the sister, the daughter, fucking Bailey is right behind him or her, right? So mm. Sam shoots Quinn. Quinn falls down dead. She gets it right in the head. Falls down dead. Sam clearly has a gun in this moment. Bailey clearly has a gun in this moment. Instead of shooting at each (laughs) other. I know what you're saying. They run at each other and tackle (laughs) each other and fall over the balcony together. Yeah, it was so nonsensical. (laughs) Yeah, it was such a weird scene. It didn't make any sense at all. No, it didn't. It didn't make any sense at all. So then, in the midst of this, uh, at one point, uh, I think Mr. Nothingburger stabbed Kirby with the knife from four that she got stabbed with. And Sam takes it and says, I'm sorry, I need this, pulls it out of her, and Kirby's laying there in pain, and she's like, I'll come back for you. All this shit happens, they kill the killers, whatever. Sam and Tara walk out 
of the little on the little stage, both having gone through this traumatic experience, stabbed, falls like high falls, punches, all this kind of shit. And they sit down and they have a heart to heart. There's no physical ailments going on. No wincing. No like holding wounds. I don't care if you survive the fact that you got stabbed or or cut or whatever like that, but you need to act like you are in fucking pain in this moment still. Now, granted, this sequence probably took two or three weeks to shoot, right? The entirety of this, but be the directors, the script supervisor, all of the above fucking failed at making sure that these actresses weren't were playing the moment, right? And it just... Kirby, in theory, should be laying five feet from them, bleeding the fuck out while they're having this heart-to-heart about sisterhood. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe do this after you call for an ambulance for Kirby. Like, right. But but then Kirby pops back up and throws the TV at uh, uh, what's-his-face when he comes back for the one last scare thing. And she pops a one-liner, and then they go to outside of the thing and they're fine. You know, I got my, my arm in a sling and we're good. And then Chad gets rolled out. Hey, I'm good. (laughs) And you, everyone in the theater, everyone who fucking loved him, everyone that loved the movie, everyone goes, are you fucking kidding me? Like me and you have been saying it this whole podcast, but everyone in the theater is also going really, 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 and it just doesn't sell. And then they talk about Mindy. Mindy just pops back up and goes, they gave me a bunch of painkillers and now I'm fucking fine. Like what? Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And then she climbs into the fucking ambulance and it drives off and Sam holds the mask in her hands and Tara's like, what are you doing? Nothing drops it on the floor. And then they, they just walk yeah. away and it's happily ever after credits. Now, before we get into the last thoughts, then they come to the after credits scene. I don't mind the content of what it was, right? Because everybody, did you stay for the after credit scene? I'm trying to remember. I don't remember the after credit scene. Okay. Because I sat there. I feel like I sat there to see if something was going to happen, but I don't remember what happened at all. You might remember when I tell you, but uh, the credits roll, the end of the thing, whatever. And then it cuts back to Mindy in the park when she was originally explaining the rules for a franchise. And she goes, okay. not every movie has to have an end credit scene. And then it just cuts. It's literally like a two second clip that happens. It feels like it was almost like a deleted scene type moment. Yeah. From the, the actual monologue that for some reason. Yeah. While I appreciate that content, like that idea that not every movie needs an end credit scene, having it be from that particular scene in the movie is what bothered me about it because I think it could have very well have justified Mindy coming back or even just going to a hospital or whatever and getting Chad rolled up next to her or whatever and him going like, well, if this is a franchise and it's over, what would happen in the end credit scene? And then she should just look at him from the the gurney next to him and go, not every movie needs an end credit scene. Cut. And it would have just worked better for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it didn't, it wouldn't have yeah. felt so tacked on. Um, it would have felt much yeah. more like an authentic moment from a screen movie being meta. And they they just didn't do it. And that was Scream 6. So, yeah. I loved this movie. The first two-thirds when I first saw it. The third act, the first time I saw it, I was like, 
That is heavily fucking flawed, but whatever, I had fun, I'll forgive it. Yeah. Every subsequent viewing, <laughs> I grow more and more frustrated as more and more questions pop up throughout the movie where I'm like, that doesn't make sense. That shouldn't happen. <laughs> Why are they doing this? No, no. What? No. What? Like, and here's the thing. That sounds very nitpicky and nerdish, like super like Reddit level nerd type shit. I have never done that for another Scream movie. Not even four. Sure. I have watched sure. four of, like multiple times and I hate that movie. But that movie holds up when you watch it and you go, okay, well, so-and-so did this. That makes sense why that happened here. Blah, blah, blah. Like nothing felt pointless or just poorly directed or anything like, you know what I mean? Like it, it all worked. It didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily like it, but it all worked. And this movie just has flaws, top to fucking bottom. It's only saving grace is that we like the characters and that overall it's kind of fun. But when you look at the plot and that, I, I would argue that, yeah, characters are one of the most important things, if not the most important thing about any story. But in a fucking murder mystery where you are taking liberties, each screen movie takes liberties with red herrings and trying to throw people off with stuff like that. You still have to hold up to subsequent rewatches. You have to be fair to your audience. Now, there are things you can keep from your audience, right? And that's how you gain that edge as a storyteller to keep the mystery and all that, not let your audience figure it out and be bored and, and not care about your movie. That's fair. But when you go back and you watch it, there cannot be holes that just left and right, left and right, left and right. And yeah. just these nagging questions that don't make any kind of sense. And it, it, it fell drastically in my rankings of the franchise the more I watch it. So I liked it in terms of, I enjoyed it. It was a fun time at the movies. I liked that they made Sam a better character. I liked the core four. I want to see more of these characters. I want to see another screen movie. Some of the sequences were nerve wracking and uh, very thrilling, and you know it was very, very well done at times. But there are major flaws in between all of those things. So it kind of evens out at the end for me. I wouldn't put sure. it at the top of my list, but I wouldn't, or I wouldn't put it at the bottom either. It would be somewhere in the middle of my rankings. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I the first two are so strong, like those are the two that stick out the most to me. And then five sticks out a lot for me. And six, like those are those that I just listed. Those are the ones that I remember the most, like three kind of gets fuzzy Four, I'm just like, cause like I, when Kirby came into six, I was like, wait, who's that? Like, <laughs> and she's the best part of four. So like, it took yeah. me a while to be like, Oh, that character like i just it didn't occur to me at all for the yeah. longest time because they were clearly trying to make a big point about oh she's in this movie i'm like wait who's that character <laughs> um but also like i'm not as i'm not as deeply into scream as other people who are watching these movies so like for me i'm kind of i mean so far i've only seen all the movies once so like okay. i'm coming at it from i'm coming at six with a really fresh from a really general audience's perspective. That's fair. Yeah. And for me, like, I know you were saying that you were really, you were really dissatisfied with how 
the like the the last scene with Sam and Bailey just didn't really work for you. I really love I love that scene because I love how they're building that stuff up for her, where it's like okay, what's going to happen with Sam? Like that to me is kind of an interesting plot twist within the Scream franchise because it's, they clearly want to do something with it. You know so what I mean? That, that kind of leads me to my wrap up uh, segment, which is what would you do if you were in charge of making Scream 7? I mean. Because when I first watched this, I thought to myself, I don't know where you fucking go from here. Yeah, I I mean, if you really want to, if you really want to make it the last one in the franchise, Mm -hmm. right? Set it from Sam's perspective, (laughs) she just goes psycho killer. Like, that would be a total, like, switch, right? It would be a total shift in terms of where we've gone. I don't know how you would make that work necessarily as a movie. Um, You would definitely have to bring back Sydney. You'd have to bring back Nev Campbell, oh, which yeah. we have not discussed at all during this, with the fact that uh, the absence of Sydney, which they cover in the script, uh, there's a story they say Sydney called, but she's staying out of this. Like it, it's not her story anymore, and she's got a family to think about. And to be honest with you, it didn't need Sydney. And I know they had Sydney in early drafts, and honestly, I, I don't, I don't think it would have been necessary. Yeah. The other way of going about it too is like. You know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things that can kind of open up where maybe you totally turn the whole thing on its head and it's just like Sam versus a bunch of other like fucking ghost faces or whatever, you know, something like that where it's more centered on her and there's less of the core four aspect to it. I I don't know. I mean, it's like there's a it's very open as to what you could do with it. And I don't know if they have a plan necessarily, but it certainly seems like they're trying to make it look like they have a plan of what they want to do with Sam. It's possible. Uh, see, now this is this is what I would do. First off, I think that the general consensus from everybody, whether it be super fans or general audiences or whatnot, there needs it needs to stop. There needs to be an end to the scream. Yeah, it needs yeah. to stop. As much as we enjoyed the last two, right? And even though I didn't, I have my flaws with this one, I, I still enjoy it. I, 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 I'm going to watch it a lot. I know that already. It need, We need to stop. Yeah. <laughs> it just needs, and I think that is the story that you need to tell, is somebody, and this comes into another thing that I have an issue with with this movie. There are more survivors in this movie than there ever have been in a Scream fucking movie before. The core four Gale, the new boyfriend, like there are so yeah. many new characters. Like, like here's an idea. You could have Sam kind of lose it and be like and she starts she starts like, okay, well actually this person could be the killer because the next killer because they have this connection with Sydney or whatever. You oh, know? Like, like she's a paranoid person or something? Yeah, like she's going she's becoming super proactive and doing like minority report style like killing people. Right. Like that would be an interesting kind of twist where possibly you're where you're like, okay, I could see why she's doing this. Right. Why she's the killer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's the killer. Exactly. Um, This is what I would do. Well, number one, I would be fucking massacring all of the returning characters. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
I would be there would be bodies dropping left and right like uh, fucking Jenna Ortega done Mindy done Chad done new boyfriend maybe probably not and this is why I think that for the first time in a scream movie a returning survivor should be one of the killers because that's never happened before yeah do you know what I mean I think that would be an interesting thing um to finally have that because we have this assumption when we watch a scream movie oh well they're a returning survivor from the last movie they're at stake we never suspect those characters. When we watch this right. movie, I never for once thought it's not Tara, it's not Chad, it's not Mindy. Like I knew I knew it wasn't them. It just it, it could not be them because they were a surviving returning character. Yeah. So I think number one, one character needs to be or one killer needs to be a surviving character from the previous films. Now I don't think it should be Sydney. Absolutely not. I don't think um, it should be Sam. I don't. I think she should still be a, a kind of Sydney vessel or whatever, where it's like sure. you're grappling with the 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 sins of your parent. Um, speaking of which, I actually think that the other killer should be Sam's mother, who we have yet to meet. That's true. And has been an off-screen character referenced, who has a lot of substance abuse problems is probably unstable and the motive i don't know what the boyfriend or like because uh, i think danny should be the, re the returning character i think he should be the killer uh the accomplice killer but i think the primary killer should be um what's it called um sam's mother right and kind of like how in scream 2 she remember how debbie loomis was kept away from sydney the entire movie by just having her play off a of gale I think you yeah. do something like that where you, and that's another gripe with six was the fact that they never separated the group really other than when Gail left. And that doesn't allow you to kind of play with different scenarios. The group was yeah. always tight knit the entire fucking time, which kind yeah. of, I mean, yeah, the dynamics got to bounce off each other a lot, which was great for character development, but for story and like red herrings and all that kind of stuff, it hurts it. But I think it should be mama carpenter. And she's killing all of these people and possibly even her own children because she's gone fucking crazy from the guilt that if mm -hmm. she had not cheated with Billy, this would not be happening. And to tie it into how the fans feel about the entire franchise, it all needs to end. And the only way to end it is everybody dies. I am going to kill everybody. I'm going to kill all your friends. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill Sydney. This is all going to end. And I'm going to put a stop to it. I'm the one reason if I had slept with Billy and had you, then this wouldn't be happening. It would all be over by now. And I just need to kill everybody and it'll all be over and everybody can go on. And that's how I'm being a good yeah, person. That or something a like that. Sense to me. I think yeah. mama carpenter and a, one of the returning characters. I prefer it would be uh, Danny. Cause I, 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 in one of the spoiler interviews, they talked about the audition process and the guy who played Danny, the new boyfriend, Every, every person who auditioned for a role had to read a killer monologue as part of their audition just to keep oh, them nice. on their toes and kind of see, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And they raved about how good of a killer monologue he could <laughs> give. And I kind of want to see it. Yeah. So I that's that's where I'm kind of coming from. But I think it needs to be somebody. I think it it should not be Sydney or Sam. I think Sydney needs to come back. 
I think it should be Mama Carpenter as the killer, and I think a returning uh, character who's a survivor should be the other killer. And yeah, I also think it should be a fucking slaughter fest. Yeah. Almost everybody should fucking die. And it should be a, like, a, like if this was a feel good movie, this should fucking <laughs> fucking just be Reservoir Dogs by the end of it. Uh, that's a Scream 3 reference if you if nobody caught it. Um, so that's my feelings on six. Uh, in the end, I know it sounded like I kind of beat the shit out of it in this this uh, podcast, but. Uh, overall, I did enjoy it. I, I will be those are rewatching it. Apt criticisms, though. Like I totally some of those things that you pointed out, and when I was watching the movie, I was like, "Yeah, I'll let it slip because I'm enjoying myself." <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. You know? But then, but I could definitely see that grinding on me after like multiple viewings for sure. Yeah. So it's it's one of those movies where I would recommend not. It's a Michael Bay horror movie. Turn your brain off. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> just watch that. and. And let it do its thing, but uh, don't don't try to don't try to play along, which is kind of the sad part to say for a scream movie. Don't play along, like that's that's why yeah. we're here. That's you know we're we're here to play along. We want to try and figure out who the killer is. And if I'm watching it again, I want the movie to be better than me. I want the movie to be like you didn't notice this, but now you do. Like th- those kinds of things are what I look for in a scream movie, Absolutely. or what I want in a scream movie. And when you have the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it completely kind of tanks the enjoyment of it so I am still looking forward to 7 I love these characters I love these actors um, I think Radio Silence did a great job executing a lot of things like sequence wise um, and then other things not so much so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they come back at it with uh, 7 and the other also the alternative I wanted to throw this out there because I know it's not going to happen but as another last minute homage to Wes Craven I also think it would be fun if the last movie was like a uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare type scenario for uh, Scream, uh, where it's like takes takes place at like a horror convention and Nev Campbell is playing herself, and that you can bring back like um, uh, Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard and Jamie Kennedy, like you can bring back all of the original actors who are still alive and let them play themselves and being hunted by a psychotic fan. You could also have the new cast in there too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it would actually be kind of fun. And I think that's kind of where, uh, that was kind of the audition that Craven kind of did. He didn't do it specifically for scream, but it was so meta at the time for new nightmare, the Freddie, uh, nightmare on Elm street thing to have Freddie Krueger going after the actors that were in his movies. Like, it it was kind it's kind of fits the scream mold so I'm oh yeah absolutely it's either that or Ghostface in space those those are our three <laughs> options folks yeah where else can you go <laughs> Ghostface in the hood I don't know anyway uh, that's all my thoughts on Scream Six Mr Rainwater if you have any things else out there that you want to throw out there about oh scream, no that's free. it for me yeah that that was very thorough I feel like. Alrighty. So when Scream 7 comes out, we will once again do this. And hopefully that'll be the last time we do it. Um, other things, you know, I think we are going to start talking about like more movie things because it's a, it's either going to be that or AI stuff. <laughs> I think that's, that's all, what yeah. this, this podcast is going to devolve into movie discussions and AI art. Um, but there are interesting things at, at play as well. I don't know uh, if, if you want to talk about this, but I recently for the first time, Everybody else had probably watched it, but I watched it for the first time. The Tom Cruise Mummy movie. 
Oh, I haven't seen that. What's up with that movie? I didn't see it either. And to be honest with you, I watched it. In fact, we should not do a podcast on it because of this very reason. It was boring and I didn't care about anything. And that's saying something for a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Universal monster movie. It was bad. It was like not fun, bad, bad, bad. So uh, do not watch that. But interestingly enough, they just announced today that Radio Silence is going to be doing a Universal Monster movie. Uh, They're going to be doing Dracula's Daughter, which is a weird one to pick. Um, Interesting. Have you ever seen Dracula's Daughter? No. Is that like a... What kind of is that like Hammer Horror? Or is it no, like... it it is the very it is the direct sequel to the Bella Lugosi movie. Really, it picks, it's the first time ever that a movie we we like to think think that the Marvel universe right all these interconnected movies, but it's not true. The the Monsters verse was the first to do it. Now some people will tell you, oh, the Abbott Costello films when Lon Chaney was the Wolfman and Lugosi came back as Dracula for his one and only time. And all that. But no, Dracula's daughter picks up immediately after Dracula with Bella Lugosi. And right after uh, Edward Van Sloan, who plays Van Helsing, uh, has staked Dracula, he gets arrested and he's still playing that same character. And it's moments after and he's explaining why he killed Dracula and then Dracula's daughter shows up. So it is the it is the first time there's like a direct sequel to a horror movie. The first like universe is starting to get built Furthermore, this is in 1930-something. I want to say 36, 39, somewhere in there. It was a little bit, like, year-wise after um, the movie. Like, other monster movies had come out in between. Um, But it was still in the 30s. Dracula's daughter is queer. She's a lesbian and or bisexual. I don't know if she... uh, Either way, it's kind of vague. But it's, like, it's not just veiled. It's, like... It's, well, it's... In the articles that I've read recently to double check myself because I only watched it one time, um, it yeah. was coded where it was like oh, it's very okay. clearly that she's a lesbian, but they don't outright state it because, uh, you know, it would have riled up feathers. But she is like seductively moving on women through like okay. her appearance. Dracula's daughter is very feminine appearing, but very, very masculine in uh, what's the word demeanor. Okay. You know what I mean? It's very interesting, but it, it, it's the first time you have like a queer character, I think, in cinema, period. And it, so it's got all of these fucking groundbreaking things about it. Like the first movie universe, kind of sequel, kind of uh, queer representation. Like it's fucking nuts. Um, and Radio Silence is doing a modern day remake. I don't know why they do that. And they're not doing like a Dracula first, but you would think that you would want to do Dracula first. Yeah. You would think, hmm. but maybe they're just afraid to touch it because of invisible man and the mummy and all that. Like the wolf man with Benicio del Toro did not do well. And yeah. even though that movie's not terrible, that movie, I rewatched it a couple of uh, months ago. It's not bad. It really wasn't. And especially if you desaturate it and turn it black and white, it's even better, but uh, <laughs> not to go all haunted home theater on you guys, but uh, that would be my recommendation if you do rewatch the Wolfman movie with Benicio del Toro and fucking Anthony Hopkins is fucking Van Helsing again. Not Van, <laughs> no, he's no, he's not Van Helsing again. I'm sorry, he plays uh, uh, Talbot's father, the the Wolfman's father. So, but he's in all these fucking movies. It's like, oh, we're remaking a Universal. Mo- Get Anthony Hopkins on the phone quick. Um, but anyway, I, I'm very much interested to see what they do with that. It, it's yeah. just very shocking to me, especially because. 
I said all those things about it because I really watched it excited, not realizing up until like last year that there was a direct sequel to Lugosi's Dracula with Van Sloan returning as, as Van Helsing. He's in the movie, maybe 10 minutes. Right. Um, I don't think he dies. He's just in jail the entire time. Um, it's a boring movie. That's the only thing that makes me That's really nice. scratch my head about it. It was, it, yeah. and maybe I just wasn't in the right mindset. Like I said, I've only seen it once, but it was very, very slow, boring movie, and it wasn't slow, boring in the good, charming, atmospheric way the original Dracula was. Like, there's no atmospheric stuff going on. There's no. no it, like... it feels very much like a soap opera. Oh, hmm. that's yeah. a bummer. I got to rewatch it. I don't know, but that's what they're doing. So I thought that was kind of interesting, and I just wanted to bring that up. I don't remember. Why. Yeah. Oh, because Radio Silence is doing it this way. Um. So yeah. So that's where we're at, uh, folks. None of you have emailed us. None of you have tweeted us. Is anybody out there? <laughs> These are going to get discovered by aliens after humanity has been long wiped out. Being like, this Jow and Rainwater have some really good fucking conversations. The art of, like, well, the AI is listening to us. Oh, that's true. They're learning how to make their own podcasts. So. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's listening to us. <laughs> I'll buy it. All right. If you have listened to us, thank you for tuning in. We always appreciate your listenership. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.